Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or of course Friday evenings on the radio with RTE Radio. My name is Dusty Rhodes, you're welcome to show number 930 where we have an interview special for you this week. You see, this year we've been learning all about the metaverse and how augmented and virtual reality are finally going to become mainstream technologies. So how far away are we from this actually? And where are the opportunities for coders and creatives to work together on immersive projects? To discover more, we have a special interview for you now with Camille Dunnigan, Director of Airmersive and Creative Director of Solace VR. She took Niall Kitson on a whistle-stop tour of the immersive technology sector here in Ireland. Camille, our experience with virtual reality is still very much in what I'm going to call the gaming ghetto. It's still in sort of the the home entertainment field. In your experience of the VR community in Ireland at the moment, uh, is is that still the case? Mm, It can be, Niall. Um, It definitely is is a barrier for our industry and uh, something those of us working in the industry are very keen to to change uh, that perception that virtual reality and augmented reality are mediums for games because it's absolutely not the case. Um, There's a multitude of case studies uh, across Ireland that we'll probably talk about in this conversation that prove that point. Um, And for instance, I was at the Galway Film Flash showing a virtual reality film called Leica um, a couple of weeks ago and there was quite a few filmmakers that were quite surprised at how far the medium has come in terms of a storytelling medium in and of its own right. And that was a a graphic novel that was um, turned into a virtual reality animated film um, to great success and to great acclaim. Um, so uh, we definitely have a ways to go to for people to understand that these mediums are new mediums. And as a new medium, uh, it is able to show content that can apply to absolutely any sector. And that can be, you know, as broad as manufacturing to tourism, to training across all sectors, healthcare and wellness. Um, and they're all sectors that are really adopting these um, these very interesting and emerging technologies and utilising them to add value to their business and to problems in their business. I think it's kind of a, a, a case of learning the rules, if you will, mm. in that, you know, because film has its own visual language, um, prose, of course, has l- literally its own language. Do you think people are still getting to grips with the idea of virtual reality, uh, mixed reality is having its own language? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like when it comes to storytelling, um, we're so attuned, even those of us who have not been trained, but specifically as script writers or filmmakers, we're so attuned to the vernacular of a 16 by 9 frame. And of course, now we're moving from the world of of frames into the world of spheres. Um, And that has a a whole load of considerations uh, regarding storytelling. For instance, uh, you don't, you can't have super specific plot points because a plot point might happen behind you. Um, And then you also need to be aware of FOMO if if your audience member misses out on a piece of the story behind them and uh, then can't carry on with the story and then they lose valuable information. That's that's a problem. So we are uh, looking currently, you know, in the storytelling field, it's much more world-based and character-driven stories um, as opposed to very plot or action-driven stories. 
yeah, I've noticed from my own experience with VR short films that there is the the, the problem of making sure the person is looking in the right place to make sure that they're guided towards a, a, a point of interest for the story as opposed to, you know, looking at the ceiling and, yes. and just marveling at the yeah. uh, at feeling uh, that you're stuck in a room. Yeah, and you can do all the tricks in the book, Niall, and they might still not look uh, where you want them to look at that particular moment. Um, I've been fortunate enough, I've been demo demoing VR and um, curating VR content for festivals for a few years now. And I really love watching a room full of people watching the same content at the same time and watch them all look in different places. And, you know, it, these would be non-interactive films, but they'll still be pointing and gesturing at different places where they're all watching the same film at the same time, but having a very different experience. Goodness, it, it brings an entirely new dimension to test audiences as well, doesn't it? Oh, if, if people 100%. are looking away from where you want them to. Yeah, yeah. We're actually launching um, a virtual reality opera. Um, it's launching on the 7th of August and then it will be touring to counties all across Ireland, all 32 counties over the next year or so. It's called Out of the Ordinary Asan Nyak. It's a bilingual virtual reality opera. And we're currently playtesting that at the moment. And it's fascinating. Like, you know, I've been in this industry for nearly seven years now and it's, you know, playtesting a piece. You'll always be surprised. People will always do things you never expected, you know, like, you know, walk out of the zone, sit down, roll around on the ground. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. So you've mentioned opera there and we've, we've touched upon gaming as being sort of the, the foundation. So what other sort of applications are we seeing for virtual reality uh, at the moment mm -hmm. in Ireland? Because I'm sure some of them would be fairly predictable and some of them not necessarily projects you would have picked on either, you know, by subject or by sector. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that brings me kind of somewhat neatly to a report that I would encourage your listeners to have a look at. It's the Irish Immersive Economy and Ecosystem Mapping Report that Air Immersive, of which I'm a director, so that's E-I-O-R-M-E-O-R-S-I-V-E.com, um, produced last year, funded by Skillnet. And that really um, carries out significant mapping of the industry in Ireland, but most importantly, it highlights use cases across sectors across Ireland. Um, and I think most readers of the report, including myself as a contributor on the report, were surprised at the wealth of um, activity that is happening in Ireland. Um, and, and we're very keen to kind of connect all of that, those projects and collect the learnings so that we can elevate the industry and we can all grow together. Um, it's very important for Air Immersive and for the sector. Um, but we're really, we're, every sector you could possibly think of, Niall, is represented there. Um, you know, I've mentioned training, we've got social VR, so um, I think we're all a bit Zoom fatigued at this stage, so the next iteration or the next kind of um, evolution of, of that would be to have meetings in virtual reality, which just makes complete sense because you you really feel to a large extent like you're with your colleagues even though they're represented by an avatar and that's fun in and of itself how people like design their avatar how they dress their avatar you can really have um, a, a lot of playfulness around social VR meetings for organizations and, and companies um, across like multinationals working in Ireland and SMEs are adopting uh, virtual reality for meetings um, for that connectivity piece when um, colleagues are working remotely. So that's a huge use case across the country. Um, tourism, like you, you might have seen, there's several um, tourism 
projects across Ireland. Um, for instance, there's the Washford Viking piece and uh, the Wicklow Jail, uh, both were created by Imagine down in Washford. And they're, they're, they're really great uh, stories about bringing history to life in a very tangible way. So, you know, you're on the long boats with the Vikings and, and that. Um, then across wellness and healthcare, like the, there's a huge amount ha happening in academia all across Ireland. Um, but I've been lucky enough to work on some wellness and healthcare uh, work. Uh, for instance, I, I created a piece for CAMS, uh, Children, Children Adolescent Mental Health Services in Galway and Roscommon, and it's an embodiment project where you're in the perspective of Dala, who is a teenager suffering with anxiety, um, and you go through a series of, of self-coaching co um, techniques and turning your kind of negative self-talk into positive self-talk to, to have a, a better outcome. And um, that, that was a really interesting interesting piece um, and that's that's highlighted in the report as well. And then we've uh, really great examples of retail and um, uh, some like augmented reality in retail so you can visualise furniture in, in your place and uh, that's a company called Plop with Alan Wickstead um, and as you can imagine like the, the whole idea of virtual property tours and um, it doesn't have to just be used for property where you, you know you can see the property in 360 with hotspots around it you can also use that for induction purposes for companies and then um, the, the kind of overriding use case at the minute for the industry at Probably will be for some time is training um, and that can be soft skills training that can be um, me mechanical training it, you know it's proven since the 80s from um, Stanford University research that uh, you actually experience virtual reality um, uh, in a very ex experiential tangible way and you're much more likely to retain the information and it's uh, much more powerful uh, in, in your mind. Yeah, I, I think that goes back to that point of VR having its its own language as well. One thing that I noticed uh, in the CAMS study was that you were looking at VR and under sort of three headings as being immersive, relatable and believable. Do you find these are, are very much the, the three pillars of a successful virtual reality experience? Mm, uh, it, do, it does depend on the use case, um, but absolutely in, in the case of those wellness or, you know, kind of helping people with mental health issues or soft skills. Uh, I think those three pillars are, are incredibly important for, the, for most of the content that I would work on. Um, and we, we have this powerful medium that you can be embodied in somebody else's perspective and provoke emotions that help you to see from their perspective and feel from their perspective. So, um, we want to utilize that, I guess, and, and leverage that power um, for good. Um, so a, another finding from work that I've created is, is we need to be very careful around the ethics of creating this work. And we don't, because we know that we're creating what's known in psychology as false memories in the participants. So if I go through a VR experience that's bringing me on the office tour of SPD insurance, for example, um, I have a memory that I've actually you know, been there to an extent, uh, up to about 70% of the actual reality of a memory of being there. So I feel like I've been in the FBD office and then when I come to the FBD office, I kind of I know my way around. But if for training purposes, you, you only want to be giving people like a positive experience and a confidence build 
building experience because if you say show somebody or bring a situation to life in a headset where, where uh, something has been done badly or been done wrong and you're embodied in that perspective of you were the person doing something wrong or getting something wrong you will actually um, kind of believe that and that will knock your confidence and, and that's certainly not what we want in a, a training situation that's it's such a fascinating idea mm. there about the, the malleability of memory mm. because one sort of application you would imagine would be you know navigating through a, a recreated crime scene uh, mm. this kind of blows that idea out of the water uh, it depends. I have seen that done really, really well in a kind of game, a more gamified context rather than an embodied context. Um, like when the HoloLens first launched, they launched a game called Fragments. Um, and it was unbelievable. It turned my kitchen into a crime scene and there was rats rolling across, running across the floor, making me screech and like a window on my wall because it knew where my wall was from the slam mapping of the headset when I first set it up. Um, that was a window looking out to Broadway. And I used to live in the States. I'm like, this is so, so real. Um, but not for a moment did I feel that I was uh, actually in this crime situation or that I'd perhaps merged this body that was on my floor in my kitchen. <laughs> so it does depend. <laughs> So let's look at that idea of community that uh, we talked about there earlier, sort of getting sort of academics, getting industry together, getting just people that are enthusiastic about virtual reality together. It's been a tough mm. few years. Um, how have you found uh, how have you found the process of nurturing a community uh, to be? I mean, uh, mm. you haven't had physical meetups for a while. So how are mm. people connecting? Yeah, that's a great question, Niall. Um, like myself and James Corbett are the directors of Airmersive and both of us um, would be known in the community for having run meetup events for, for many years. Um, mine was VR Community Ireland, which then became XOR Dublin and uh, James has always operated under the 3D camp umbrella. So, uh, you know, we will be back with face-to-face -face events uh, very soon. But in the meantime, we um, have been building the Airmersive community on Slack. We've over 300 members on Slack. Um, and I guess I've been surprised um, how active that, that community have been and how generous and, uh, you know, giving. So, you know, I could put up a post right now saying, hey, I need six quests for a screening next week and anyone, you know, rent them to me or lend them to me and I probably have a reply in a few minutes. Um, so, so that kind of generosity of spirit is is really great and it works really well offline. Um, but there is no substitute for the face-to-face -face connection. Um, a or V or Innovate at the RDS, Alex Gibson's event this year was a great testament to that. We all came together. We, you know, most of us from um, the immersive community hadn't seen each other face to face in at least two years, and it was absolutely buzzing. Many connections happened that day, and you know, I'm working on a couple of projects that even came out of conversations that day. So, uh, yeah, we we need both <laughs> a hybrid model. I think it's called, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the problems uh, that are there uh, in virtual reality is that we've got some, some research centres around the country that are pretty much dedicated to VR uh, from sort of the academic end, uh, some from the wellness end, some from the, the creative end. Uh, are you finding that those particular connections are happening? Or again, is it still... Mm -hmm. People are maybe in silos, maybe people are having trouble reaching out or, you know, they don't even know that these, uh, mm. that certain projects or communities are there. Yeah, um, I, from my own experience, um, I'm finding 
academic institutions' doors seem to be a lot freer um, than they might have been before COVID. And, and perhaps that's due to my personal connections in some of these institutes, but um, I, I don't get that sense. For instance, Walton Institute were, um, had a stand, a very kind of active buzzing stand at the ARV or Innovate conference, and they were like, come, come to the Walton Institute, let us show you all this amazing technology that we have. Um, and they're going to be running information um, days and workshops um, at their amazing facility. So, um, and then Trinity, for instance, now vSense, unfortunately, um, which was, has been a really important um, research arm uh, for the sector, is, is finishing up next or this year, in fact. Um, but Trinity in general, um, there's a lot of activity happening in the immersive sector and, um, you know, linking in and uh, Gareth Young is a, is a great advocate for the industry. And uh, so Gareth would come to say workshops that I run and he'd bring some additional kit from Trinity and, and kind of contribute to workshops and events that I might be running with community groups or, or artists, for example. Um, so I think um, I, I think there's a lot of cross pollination and a lot of sharing. And AIT actually is another great example in that loan. So there's a lot of um, conversations happening uh, actively every day between industry and academia. That uh, seems to be progress on pre-COVID relationships. And as somebody is looking to get involved in uh, in the VR community. Mm. Um, you know, is is this the preserve of, of coders? Are they still the, the most highly sought members or oh. is there a lot of blue sky mm -hmm. thinking going on as well? Oh, ab absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's really, the, I, th I find it really fascinating, actually, the the wider the sector gets, um, the, the more in interesting it is the people who kind of step into this arena. So you could say, okay, uh, architects, of course, they'd be very well placed to work within 360 spheres. And absolutely, I have found that to be true. A lot of people have a nice um, kind of transferable skills from working in architecture to working in, in 360 3D or, or working with game engines. Um, coders, yes, uh, we absolutely need to work closely with coders, but um, like audio is a huge uh, field. Um, so I know a lot of people that would have come from more traditional audio, from sound engineering backgrounds that are now exploring ambisonics and binaural audio and spatial audio. Um, I'm working with uh, some of the tools that connect in nicely with the um, with the game engines. Uh, then uh, an interesting new role that uh, I'm recruiting for at the minute is this idea of the, the VOR facilitator. For, so for that operator I mentioned, then that will tour all 32 counties. I'm recruiting a troop of VOR facilitators that will be trained, that will be scripted, because um, it's really, really important that when people are trying VOR, especially for the first time, that they have a very comfortable and a very positive user experience. And um, so that's something I'm passionate about. And I'm training up my facilitators to be able to um, give that experience to people on the ground. Um, and gosh, there's so many fields. And sorry, a lot of those uh, facilitators are from a real variety of backgrounds. Like some of them are actors and um, some of them are techies that, you know, maybe do some improv. Uh, you know, I've got Games Math Dungeons and Dragons Games Masters like working on it. Um, and then script scripting and writing is a really um, interesting uh, avenue, I guess, of exploration and um, you know, like you know, more and more writers are, are also exploring the possibilities of, of being 360 or interactive AOR storytelling and that. Such a broad um, sort of cohort of people then that, mm -hmm. that you're working uh, with. Yeah. Um, so looking 
at Ireland in sort of the, the grand scheme of things. Um, how are we doing compared to our, our international peers? I mean, where is there a, an international centre of excellence that people look to and go, do you know what, over here they're, they're really doing fantastic work with VR? Or is it still very much um, uh, a spread out uh, field of expertise where, yep, some things are doing very well over here, some things mm-hmm. over here, that the, there's sort of a diffusion of ideas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a lengthy conversation with somebody at South by Southwest this year um, on that exact point. So I was lucky to be over there with a virtual reality, a live virtual reality theatre piece called Emperor 101 from the Performance Corporation. Um, so it, it premiered at the Dublin Theatre Festival and then we had the opportunity to bring it to the South by Southwest to showcase it there. And the general, going to a lot of talks, experiencing a lot of um, primarily V or storytelling, um, I, I did see some trends so uh, you know other people might debate this uh, strongly and that's fine but uh, my general consensus was that the US is really flying when it comes to say training um, and uh, all of those kind of I guess more industrial applications then the UK in my book is absolutely leading on storytelling um, they they also have heavily funded this uh, this sector since 2009, like they saw um, the, the possibilities of immersive very early on. And, and actually Fiona Kilkelly, who's the chair of Air Immersive, um, set up Immerse UK, our equivalent body in the UK. Um, gosh, my, I can't remember how many years ago, maybe 12 years ago. Um, and that is over 4,000 members now. Um, for, in terms of the report that we've recently produced, the equivalent report in the UK was produced six, six years ago under um, the Immerse UK banner. So, you know, in some ways, yes, we are behind. However, um, when when uh, and it's so amazing to have Fiona as our chair because we talk about this quite a lot because the other advantage to not being first or not being you know maybe the leader in a sector is that you get to learn from the mistakes of others or you know uh, wrong turns perhaps taken along the way so uh, w- what's wonderful in, in this industry is because it's so new and so nascent the generosity of spirit from makers, from studios around the world. The collaboration that happens is incredible. Um, like I worked recently with We Are Anagram in the UK and they, they were in Ireland to run the Immersive Wexford programme with me, uh, run by Screen Wexford and Linda Curtin uh, ranged and, and produced all of that programme. And they literally brought us through their amazing award-winning piece, Goliath, um, which is a very strong piece. If anyone has a quest, uh, please download it. It's free. It's a VR for Good project um, about a guy with schizophrenia, beautifully told. And they shared everything about that project, how it was made down to like the code, like Barry Jean Murphy, who's uh, the developer and writer, uh, he's Irish actually, he, he showed us the project. He talked us through like all of the nodes in Unity and showed us how how it was built. And then May Abdallah, the producer, brought us through their whole funding journey and how the project actually uh, managed to happen from a very small kernel funding um, from Creative XOR, which is Arts Council England initiative um, with Digital Catapult in the UK. So, you know, understanding the roadmap, I guess, and the partnerships and the collaborations that happened in the UK to put it on the map so significant, significantly is something we can really learn from here. And, uh, and at our immersive, we do, <laughs> we're always looking um, to kind of build on the learnings from the UK. 
You mentioned there uh, sort of the involvement of arts bodies uh, in the public sector in Ireland. Who's who's actually watching? Is it the Arts Council? Is it the Department of uh, Jobs and Employment? You know, where where is the interest? Again, it's quite broad and cross-sectoral. Um, so there is a lot of uh, interest from you know, Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment. Um, the Arts Council have funded many artists that I know um, on, on bursaries. So that would be for um, personal development. So I'm a dancer and I'm interested in exploring motion capture and virtual reality. I might get specific funding for that, for example. Um, and, uh, you know, composers, again, looking uh, to upskill with uh, the possibilities of ambisonics. And um, so the Arts Council are funding, uh, but what we're, we're lacking, and, and sorry, I must mention Animation Ireland, who have uh, also created innovation funds specific to these emerging technologies, which has been really important. And uh, the RAP Fund uh, in Galway is also supporting these activities. Uh, but we do, we need much more dedicated funds um, uh, uh, as our UK counterparts have. Um, so specific funds for be it storytelling or for, um, and, and also we need specific uh, R&D funding. That's not just paper-based or, you know, the innovation grants that we currently have through EI are fantastic, but we need to actually be able to create prototypes. And um, that's something very important that was identified in the report because these are experiential mediums. You can write papers so the cows come home, but if you need to put something, some sort of prototype in a headset to see if, it, if it's, it's going to work. Just on that point of, of headsets there, we are seeing the cost of them come down further and further. And we, we did have uh, initially the, the high end, the HTC Vibes with, with the various mm-hmm. motion centers, sensors around the place for more than a thousand euro. And then at the other end, we, we've had, you know, tiny mobile phone apps uh, from Google and Sky uh, trying to replicate the VR experience with various levels of success. Mm. Where is the sweet spot for you at the moment? Should we be saving up to go for a high-end set with a little bit of, of longevity? Or has mm. the Oculus model of gradually bringing things down and removing the need for uh, for the PC really where it's at? Mm, it's a great question. And uh, unfortunately, Niall, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Oculus announced yesterday or Meta announced that the Oculus will be going up by €100 Euros from next month. So buy your, buy your <laughs> Oculi now would be my tip for any listeners. And um, the Quest 2 is, is an amazing headset. Like it's completely revolutionized our industry. And uh, I'll always be thankful to Meta for that, for sure. Um, it's a really great piece of kit. Yes, there will be a Quest 3, but we don't know when it's coming. So, you know, I wouldn't be holding my breath per se. And yes, it's going to be um, it's going to be much more advanced, but it's also going to be a good bit more expensive, probably about a thousand euros per unit. So, you know, for consumers, for people wanting to play with a headset, I, I would probably advocate the Quest 2 or indeed the Quest 1, which, you know, wasn't that far behind the Quest 2 spec wise. Uh, you can get them very often online for you know 150 quid so if you just want to play get a quest one online uh, second hand and uh, then of course there's the pico headset so pico was bought by ByteDance, which is the umbrella company for tiktok and um, so they're you know this the space race uh, excites us in the industry uh, you know who's who's gonna who's gonna release the next headset and or you know the next piece of content that's going to be the killer app you know uh, what's pico's equivalent to beat saber going to be etc and um, and pico's a great piece of kit as well the pico neo 3 is their their latest six stuff headset um so uh, so headsets they they they're 
getting better all the time. They do need to get lighter. And, you know, I still uh, feel they're, they're very heavy, especially on, on female heads. Um, the, the comfort strap definitely helps. Um, but I look forward to headsets being considerably lighter and the screens to be even sharper. Um, and of course, we'll, we'll just, they will get better and better and the processing to be even better. Um, it is limiting working with the Quest 2, like it's been a real challenge on our current project to um, optimize for the Quest 2. Um, so wish us luck with that. <laughs> And that was Camille Dunnigan of Airmersive chatting with Niall Kitson. If you'd like to learn more about the domestic immersive technology sector, you can visit their website at airmersive.com. That's E-I-R-mersive.com. Of course, that link in the show notes for you on your player right now. Anyway, that's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie. And of course, you can listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 extra. Until next time, for myself Dusty Rhodes, Afnal Kitson, thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech Central.